This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nonsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 23 was made possible by Blueberry Markets. Simple, beautiful, best customer service in the game. You even get your own guy when you click the link in my blog, which I will put down below in the show notes. Make sure you click the link in that blog. If you don't, you don't get the bonus. You don't get your own guy. Uh, But you're going to want both of those things, especially now, because not only can you trade Forex, not only can you trade metals, you can trade, I can't even remember, 10 or 11 crypto pairs and the top 50 U.S. stocks. So put that algorithm to work. Blueberry Markets is not available to United States citizens, but I have a broker for you as well, and that will be in the show notes down below too. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and new CPI inflation numbers came out on Wednesday for the United States. Very exciting. And the number was 6.2%, which is a number that most Americans have not seen in their entire lives. Remember, earlier this year, the Fed said they didn't see inflation going past 1.8%. So not only is it over three times that, uh, actual inflation is much higher. You know, we all have two eyes in our head. We know the CPI is calculated poorly. We know it's calculated in a very deceptive manner. And we know the Fed thinks we're all stupid. But the tables are turning now because not only has inflation gone out of control compared to where they thought it was going to be, but now people are completely losing faith in the Fed. If you remember not even a year ago, people there was a lot of people out there, especially in the financial world, that pretty much hung on every word they said as if it was the gospel truth. And you remember me saying on this podcast that the Fed doesn't actually control money. They control the narrative. Well, what happens when people no longer believe that narrative? This is what's happening, and it's causing precious metals to rise. A lot of the believers out there have turned non-believer. And this may be the catalyst we need long-term to get this market going. The big banks have done a really good job of tamping down gold, and especially silver. But as more silver leaves the market and does not get refilled at the same clip, which it is not, that dam will break. And when it does, those who hold precious metals, and especially precious metals mining stocks, could end up seeing returns similar to what we have seen in uranium mining stocks this past year. Imagine the chance to duplicate those gains. Imagine missing out on the uranium train and getting the chance to catch another train that may end up doing the same thing. You know, I'm not a financial advisor, as we all know, but this is where I feel we are with silver. The House Infrastructure Bill also passed last week. Silver is something we're going to need for that. And it's been a rough year so far for the people in power. And if those people want to stay in power, they need to start building, whether it's the right thing to do or not. And much of that building is going to be into the electrical grid, which you absolutely must have silver for. It is the most conductive metal on Earth. Replacing it with something less conductive, like we spoke about in the copper video, is only going to cost you money in the long term. And unlike copper, uh, when silver gets used up, it gets used up and never comes back. So you need to replace it constantly. So it's a good thing we have a lot of silver in the ground, right? Well, we actually don't. And those numbers are decreasing year after year. And with the pandemic, this deficit has accelerated. 
So that's my talk on why silver investing is important right now, in my opinion. I know we've touched on it a little bit in some of the older YouTube videos, maybe, but never really on the podcast. So I wanted to address it now and take the remainder of the podcast to tell you how I am going about it. So those who follow the YouTube channel know that I've been in silver for a while, for a few years, actually since 2018, I want to say. So throughout all the ups and downs, it has been very good to me. Um, but my philosophy on it has changed since you probably last heard me talk about it. So let's discuss this too. I no longer own physical silver or paper silver. For starters, physical silver is a pain in the ass. The premiums are extraordinary. You know, the fees to store it are higher. And uh, the one thing I've really realized over time is, you know, you would buy physical silver for defensive purposes. I already have that with gold. Gold is the perfect defense. I don't need to do that twice with another physical metal. I'm already doing it. I'm already protecting my money that way. In the last couple of years or so, I have taken the Thomas Kaplan approach to silver investing. Now, if you don't know Thomas Kaplan, he is a billionaire investor, uh, made most of his money in natural resources. And he said something that I never forgot. He said, look, if you believe that this is a foregone conclusion, uh, which you know many of us believe silver is, you know, I took the same approach with uranium and copper both. He says, you know, lever up. You know, he doesn't own any physical silver either. You know, he realizes that the cheapest silver, therefore the silver with the highest upside, is in the ground. Now, when he says lever up, you know, maybe he can get away with this, but the rest of us cannot. You know, you cannot take all the money you have allocated towards silver investing and put it into tiny little exploration companies that don't even have any silver in the ground. Uh, but they technically do have the most upside when it's all said and done. Problem is, most of them aren't going to be going anywhere, even if the price of silver triples, which I say it all the time on this podcast, it'd be the biggest kick in the ass ever if you were right about the metal, but stupid about the way you invested it. Um, but there are smarter ways to lever up. You know, we've talked many times about putting together your own soccer team, and that's what I have done with silver, minus the actual goalie, which is the physical silver. I got my fullbacks, which is the ETF, and super big major producers. I got some mid-tier producers for my mids, of course. And then I have one company. It's a project generator. Lots of upside, but we'll see. But it's only one company as my striker. Uh, but look, these silver mining ETFs are great because if you're putting together a team, they give you all of the big boys in one investment, which means if you only have maybe one tranche worth of money available for this market right now, a silver miner ETF is where you need to be. It is a leveraged play, but it pretty much ensures that you are going to get leveraged returns as the silver market goes up. You know, your mid-tier and your smaller tier companies cannot do that. So if you only have X amount of money to spend, a great way to get started is to start right here. Now, as I said before, there are three major silver miner ETFs out there. Let's go over all three. Uh, and then I'll actually tell you which one I have. Oh, and correction, there are actually five if you count the leveraged plays. Um, but we've spoken about this before. Do not invest in those. Uh, pure insanity, especially in this space. 
But all right, let's start with the one that has the highest market cap and the highest assets under management. That is going to be Global X Silver Miners ETF, ticker symbol SIL. This one is the most popular by a good amount. And frankly, I don't understand why. So with all of these, you can go to Yahoo Finance and type it in and then click on holdings and you can see exactly what they hold. So that's what I'm doing. And when I do that with SIL, I see the number one holding in a silver miners ETF to be a royalty company. Now, I love me some royalty companies. We actually have not talked about them on this podcast. We need to. But they have Silver Wheaton as 23.92% of their entire portfolio. Now, Wheaton used to be called Wheaton Silver something, and they rebranded to Wheaton Precious Metals because they're more diversified now. Um, So they're a big company. They're a very good company, um, but just not much of a pure play silver company. And then right after that, you have Polymetal International, which I've never heard of. Then you actually have two major silver mining companies. Uh, Then you have a Korean zinc company. Uh, You know, again, maybe I'm a dumb caveman and I don't understand the strategy here. Uh, But I honestly don't think most investors look at what they're buying. I think they want silver miner exposure. They see the biggest one and they just go for it. And this might also be your top choice when it's all said and done. You got to do the research here. Uh, But it is just not mine. Next one down, we have... ETFMG Prime Junior Silver Miners ETF, ticker symbol SILJ. Now, you may have heard of this one before because if financial channels ever do mention a silver mining ETF, this is the one they mention, Uh, which in my opinion is a huge net positive if you think about it. Because once the rush comes, you know, these funds are going to gravitate towards what they know. So they're either going to take the biggest one in SIL or the one they always hear about in SILJ. Now, this is assuming most of these fund managers have their ear to the ground when it comes to silver mining companies, which I don't think almost any of them do. But when it comes time to make a move, I would wager to say that this is the route they're going to go. Uh, This is a good one. You get all the big boys right up there at the top. You know, you got First Majestic, you got uh, Pan American, you got MAG, you got Yamana Gold, which has a lot of silver in it, Hecla, Silvercrest, all the big boys. Um, a very fine choice, just not the choice I personally made. I actually chose the one with the smallest market cap, believe it or not, and that is iShares MSCI Global Silver and Metals ETF, ticker symbol SLVP. Uh, now, this was very close. But at the end of the day, I like how they were more top-weighted Pan American and a company called Hecla, um, which is just a company I was really high on. I was considering just buying that stock outright, um, but now I don't have to um, because I get pretty good exposure here. That was really just the tipping point. It wasn't even a major tipping point. I would say for me, either one of those last two would have been really good. Um, But this is the product I went with years ago, and I am very happy with it. You know, has it made me rich? No. Will it make me rich someday? Possibly. So to close things out in this episode, um, I just want to say that I really like where we are with the podcast right now. I like the intimate feel. It is so much more easy to manage for me uh, than it was back when my Forex channel was exploding. Um, But some people are not happy that we've gone this direction. But look, I hope to be trading Forex and metals and other commodities well until I am old and gray. Uh, But those of you who who have followed my Forex channel know that we're pretty much shooting to beat the average benchmark of the S&P every year, which is right around 11, 12%. 
And we are spending a lot of time doing that. And you should. We all should. But when you come into the commodities game and the crypto game at the right time, you can dwarf those returns in under a year, sometimes in under a few months. Now, why would you even bother trading? Well, you know, it's not always going to be this good. Um, trading sustains you and your income for pretty much ever. But you would be crazy not to take advantage of opportunities while they are here. Now, as far as things we've already talked about on this podcast, Polkadot has already tripled. Oil stocks are up. Platinum's up. Trust Wallet Token is up like 20 25%. And even though it wasn't mentioned on this podcast, it was mentioned on my YouTube channel, you guys have already seen what has happened to uranium in, in one year's time. And the whole reason we are holding uranium stocks has not even happened yet. So you can understand the upside with these things and why it's prudent to get into them now and then wait. Now, a lot of traders think I'm crazy for going this direction you know, with my channel, but have they seen these returns? <laughs> We're not crazy. We're just early.